0: had told me last year that one of my instructors from Ramah, who I had as an instructor ago, in July of 2022 would ask me to speak at his and his wife's church. I would have said, you're a fault. <laughs> but here I am, which is a reminder to never underestimate what the Lord can do in our lives. Amen. I want to thank Pastor David and Pastor Scarlett for entrusting me with their pulpit. I want to thank all of you for making my wife and I feel so welcome. It's the day we stepped into this church, there's a sense of family here, and that's not always an easy thing to find. Amen. Amen. So thank you. If you have your Bible up to Colossians, the third chapter, verses one through three, I got to tell you a quick little story. About this Bible, I was my son's best man in his wedding, and he gave me this Bible as a gift for being a best man. And I thought this is a preaching Bible. I never used it until today, so it's a sort of an honor to be using this Bible he gave me. Colossians the third chapter. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Paul said, "If then you were raised with Christ." Seek those which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now let's look at Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verses 16. This I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Hebrews 11, 13. These heroes all died still clinging to their faith, not even receiving all that had been promised them. But they saw beyond the horizon fulfillment of their promises and gladly embraced it from afar. They all lived their lives on earth as those who would belong to a home. For clearly those who live this way are longing for the appearing of a heavenly city. And if their hearts were still remembering what they left behind, Found an opportunity to go back, but they couldn't turn back, for their hearts were fixed on what was far greater that is, the heavenly realm. So, because of this, God is not ashamed in any way to be called their God, for He has prepared a heavenly city for them. Let's pray over the word. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you to open the eyes of our understanding today and to cause your word to come alive in our hearts by a purpose to be doers of your word and not hearers only. And we give you thanks for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about a number of years ago I heard Billy Brim mention that Brother Kenneth E. Hagin said, and prophetically as it turns out, the closer to the return of the Lord, we'll hear more and more accounts of people who have seen heaven. And the thought of that thrilled me. But I wondered why would it happen as we got closer to the return of the Lord? I think our text this morning will shed some light on that. We live in a time on this planet when it seems everywhere you look, there's trouble and there's stress. In Paul's second letter to Timothy, he said the last days would be perilous. He said men would be lovers of of themselves, unthankful, unholy, and without self-control. You might have thought once that that would only apply to the tribulation church would be out of here by then but look look again i don't think anyone here would disagree that all of those attributes paul mentioned are abundantly evident in today's world does that mean we're in the tribulation now no the church is still here but i believe we're in the shadow of the tribulation period something that helped me in studying bible prophecy is understanding the fact that prophetic events often cast their shadows before they occur in their full, You remember the parable of the fig tree? Jesus pointed out that when the leaves come out on the fig tree, we know summer is near. Summer hasn't arrived. Leaves foreshadow its arrival. Imagine if you, if you can walking toward a tall building on a sunny day. Depending on the height of that building, you may walk in the shadow before you actually reach the uh, physical entrance to that building. End-time Bible prophecy is sort of like like that building as we get closer to the return of the Lord and all that that entails and all the events that that entails. the Bible teaches that evil men and seducers press from bad to worse trying to lead people from the truth. As believers living in this perilous world we can sometimes find its ways rubbing off can't we? yet we know Paul told the Romans to not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And we know that comes primarily through God's word. But in our text from Colossians 3, Paul adds to that statement. He says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Let's look a little closer at that statement. What does he mean when he says, set your mind? Well, let me give you an illustration. When I was here, my parents were planning our first family trip to Florida. And, of course, this was before the age of personal computers, so I'm sure... My dad, probably a guidebook, found a hotel that he thought would be uh, good for us. And and in the process, they sent a packet of information to my dad. Well, in that packet was this pamphlet, and it had pictures of nearby St. Pete Beach, palm trees. You could see gently blowing in the breeze. This this hotel was on Boca Siaga Bay, so you could see pictures of the bay. And, and there was this little island I could see out in the bay that I thought, man, when I get there, I'm going to snorkel out to that island. I changed my mind when I got there and realized there could be sharks in that water. But my point was, in a cold, dreary, winter in Western New York, that pamphlet I I just kept that pamphlet in my bedroom and looked at it constantly, dreaming of that trip to Florida and winter a little bit more tolerable for me. So, what did Paul mean when he said we were to set our mind on things above? Some might say it means to Think on the care of God, his love, his mercy, his grace. Or to think about his provision, healing, prosperity, safety, peace. All those would be correct. But when we look at Colossians 3, together with the other text we read in Hebrews 11, we sense the Spirit of God is drawing our focus to a place called heaven. In talking about the heroes of faith in Hebrews eleven fourteen, the Bible says they were long for the heavenly city. Just like I longed for that vacation spot in Florida by setting my mind on the images in the pamphlet, the heroes of faith fixed their in a better place. It was as if faith implanted a homing instinct in the patriarchs, and they were never fully satisfied with the delights of Canaan. There was always a yearning for a better homeland, a heavenly homeland. And that kept them from giving up and going back to the place God had led them them out of. It starts to make sense now why the Lord showed Brother Hagen that as we get closer to the return of the Lord, we will hear more accounts of people seeing heaven. Accounts that align with the word can encourage the church to set their mind on things above when it seems like the world system is crumbling all around us and move truth at warp speed. So I want to take the rest of the time this morning looking at what the Bible teaches about heaven and then looking at some accounts from people, glimpses of heaven that add color and detail to the biblical accounts. The writer of Hebrews in the 12th chapter mentions Jerusalem as the city of the living God. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, Jesus said, He will write on the overcomer, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from God. In Revelation 21, John sees this city and describes So let's turn to Revelation 21, and let's look at verses 10 through 17. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation for this. Revelation 21, and we'll start with verse 10. And this is John talking here. So he took me to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high, with twelve gates by twelve angels, and the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. After, or verse 15, the angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure this city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was square, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. There for a minute. I don't know if those numbers registered. Let's consider the size of this city. This is a city in heaven. If you drew a line down the east coast of the United States from Maine to Florida, and then you swept that line west to Colorado, the approximate length and width of New Jerusalem, the city of God. But remember, its height is the same. It goes up 1,400 miles. The stratosphere layer of Earth's atmosphere begins at approximately six miles from Earth's surface. This is the height commercial airliners fly in. God's city is more than 200 times higher than that. We wonder if he'll help us with our car payment this month. <laughs> he is a big, big God. Some Bible scholars, Others think that this multiple levels or floors. If that's so, then each floor will be approximately two million square miles. One person calculated that this city would hold 100 billion people, and this is just the city of New Jerusalem, which is only a part of the third heaven. Hallelujah. Let's continue reading from Revelation 21 verses 21, and we're going to. Look at 23 and 27 as well. Verse 21 The 12 gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. And the gate was pure gold, as clear as glass. This is a real city, folks. It really exists. And the city has no need of sun, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practice sinful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Aren't you your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? The Wycliffe Bible Commentary talks about the holiness of this city. No lie, no evil word will ever be spoken. No shady business deal will ever be discussed, let alone carried out. No unclean picture will ever be seen. No corruption of life will ever be manifest. It will be holy because it will be holy. And this is our future home. Glory to God. Has anyone in our lifetime seen what John saw? It just so happens that perhaps thousands, multiple thousands of people have. There's a surprise Surprising amount being done on near-death experiences today. One estimate says that more than half of those who have claimed to have had such an experience have saw heaven. Are all of these accounts credible? No. So we should look at every story with a healthy bit of skepticism. But the accounts, like Kenneth Hagin's own, that ring true and align with Scripture. 19-year-old pilot Dale Black was up in a small plane with two other men. And the man flying the plane lost altitude and crashed into a stone tower at 135 miles per hour. The plane plunged 70 feet to the ground. Here is Dale's account of what happened to him. The other two men died. They perished. I'm going to read this account from a book called Imagine Heaven, which I think is, is a good... Uh, if you're wanting to read any of these accounts. There's a few pages I'm going to be reading here, but I think, I think you'll look you'll, you'll, interesting. Suddenly, this is Dale speaking, suddenly I found myself suspended in midair, hovering over the wreckage of my body. My gray pants and short-sleeved shirt were torn to shreds and soaked in blood. I sped through what appeared to be a narrow pathway. It light that I was traveling through. It was a path in the darkness that was delineated by the light. Outside of this pathway was total darkness. In the darkness, millions of tiny spheres of light zoomed past as I traveled through what looked like deep space, almost as if a jet were for a snowstorm at night. At this time, I became aware that I was not traveling alone. Accompanying me were two angelic escorts in seamless white garments woven with silver threads. They had no discernible gender but appeared masculine and larger than I was. Remarkably, my peripheral vision was enhanced and I could see both of their glowing faces at the same time. I could even see behind me while hardly moving my hand. I was fast approaching a magnificent city, golden and gleaming among a myriad of resplendent colors. The light I saw was the purest I had ever seen, and the music was the most majestic, enchanting, and glorious I had ever heard. I was still approaching the city, but now I was slowing down like a plane making its final approach for landing. I knew instantly that this place was clearly and utterly holy. Don't ask me how I knew, I just knew, he said. I was overwhelmed by its beauty. was breathtaking, and a strong sense of belonging filled my heart. I never wanted to leave. Somehow I knew I was made for this place, and this place was made for me. The entire city was bathed in light, an opaque whiteness in which the light was intense but diffused. In that dazzling dazzling light, every colorable seemed to exist. The colors seemed to be alive, dancing in the air. The closer I got to the city, the more dist- The illuminating magnificent magnificent light I was experiencing emanated from about 40 or 50 miles within the city wall from a focal point within the sun. Oddly, it didn't make me squint to look at it. And all I wanted to do was to look at it. The light was palpable. It had substance to it and thickness like nothing I had ever seen before or since. Sounds like the glory of God. Somehow I knew that light and love somehow i knew that light and life and love were connected and interrelated remarkably the light didn't shine on things but through them through the gra- through the trees through the wall and through the people who were gathered there there was a huge gathering of angels and people millions kinds they were gathered in a central area that seemed over 10 miles in diameter the expanse of people was closer to an ocean than a con- concert hall. Waves of people moving in the light, swaying to the music, worshiping God. I was outside the city, slowly moving toward its walls, suspended above the ground. Below me lay the purest, most perfect grass, precisely the right length, and not a blade that was bent or even out of place. The iridescent grass stretched endlessly over gently rolling hills, upon which were sprinkled the most colorful wildflowers. The fresh, the Ignorance at Permian was so gentle and sweet. It was all so pure and intoxicating and blended together in a sweet and satisfying sense. In the distance stood a range of mountains, majestic in appearance as if they reigned over the entire landscape. These were not mountains you wanted to conquer. These were what you wanted to revere. The road was only wide enough for two people and followed the contours of the hills. Then it began sloping upward toward the huge walled in a city. Next, I heard the faint sound of water rushing in the distance. I couldn't see the water, but it sounded as if it were rivers, cascading, cascading or a series of small waterfalls, creating music that was ever-changing. Between the central part of the city and the city walls were grouply colored, picture-perfect homes in small, quaint towns. Each home was customized and unique from the other's yet-blended harmony Harmonic. Some were three or four stories, some were even higher, and there were no two the same. My eyes were drawn next to a river that struck a gathering, gathering area in the middle of the city to the wall. It flowed toward the wall and seemed to end there, at least from my vantage point. The river was clear with a bluish-white hue. The light didn't shine on the water, but mysteriously shone within it Somehow. This, his description continues on, but those are the things that I wanted to capture because it it sounded very much like what John much more descriptive, much more colorful and this was this man went on to be a, a commercial pilot and uh, serving the Lord throughout his life he's in, he's one of the instances of stories that I think is is worthy of setting your mind. On as a reminder of what you've got to look forward to. Another one is Ian McCormick's testimony. He's a unique and fascinating account, and I think it's a reminder everywhere to not stop praying for their lost children. In his early 20s, Ian left New Zealand to wander Southern Asia as a surfer, scuba diver. He had explored several of the world's religions, and at 25, he considered himself an atheist. His mother was was a devout christopher who never stopped praying for her son during a night dive in the indian ocean ian was stung five times by box jellyfish they're considered one of the more most lethal uh, venoms n- unknown to man by the time he finally reached the hospital he realized he was dying from the venom he had a vision of his mother who he later found out was awakened at the same time in new zealand to pray for him. In the vision she was telling Ian, Ian. That no matter how far from God you are. No matter what you've done wrong. If you cry out to God. from her, He will hear you. And he will forgive you. Ian wondered. What God do I pray to? He had studied them all. But then he realized. The only vision he saw was his mother. And she was a follower of Jesus Christ. So he Cried out to Jesus to forgive him and save him. He then found himself going through a tunnel. When he came out, he was hit with a wave of light, bringing total calm and warmth. And then he experienced another wave of total peace and love. Standing before him was a man, he said, covered with light, who he knew instinctively was the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. As he strained to see the face of Jesus, Jesus. Step to one. Ian looked out past Jesus and saw a brand new world. He saw green grass, blue sky, mountains, hills, trees. He said it made New Zealand look run down. Inside he knew this was home where he belonged. The same light that was upon the Lord was upon his creation. He knew if he stepped on that grass he would never go back. And he didn't want to go back. But then he saw a vision of his mother again. And he didn't want her to go through life thinking her oldest son had died without knowing God. When he died, he was back in his body, which the doctors were about ready to take to the morgue. Uh, I believe in, in listening to his testimony, he was out of the hospital three or four days. A man that was stung five times by the most lethal venom. One of the most lethal venoms some within the sound of my voice thinking this is all just Christian fantasy. There is no heaven. There's no life after death. When you die, that's it. Gone. And I'm sure a lot of us in this room know people that have that attitude. And there may be some watching online that have a I'd like to close by reading a story. Two babies in their mother's womb. In the mother's womb were two babies. One asked the other, Do you believe in life after delivery? The other replied, what? There has to be something after delivery. Maybe we are here to prepare ourselves for what will be later. Nonsense, said the first. There is life after delivery. What kind of life would that be? The second said, I don't know, but there will be more light than here. Maybe we'll walk with our legs and eat from our mouths. Maybe we will have other senses we can't understand right now. The first replied, "That is absurd. Walking is impossible, and eating with our mouths ridiculous. The umbilical cord supplies nutrition and everything we need, but the umbilical is so short, life after delivery is to be logically excluded." The second insisted, "Well, I think there is something, and maybe." Maybe it's different here. Maybe we won't need this physical cord anymore. The first replied, nonsense. And moreover, if there is life, why has come back from there? Delivery is the end of life. And in the after delivery, there is nothing but darkness and silence and oblivion. It takes us nowhere. Well, I don't know, said the second, but certainly we will meet mother and she will take care of us. The first mother? You actually believe in mother? That's laughable. If mother exists, then where is she now? The second said, "Around us. We are surrounded by her. We are of her. It is in her that we live. Without her, this world would not and could not exist. Said the first, well, I don't see her. So it's only logical she doesn't exist. To which the second replied, sometimes when you're in silence and you focus and you really listen, you can perceive her presence. And you can hear a voice calling down from above. You may be someone that is hearing that voice right now of the Father. And the Bible says, if today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. So I'm asking you to respond to that voice, and we're going to lead you in prayer right now, for you to accept the one he sent for you, Jesus Christ, so you too can be one of those multitude who find heaven to be their final home. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love, for your word, for your son Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for your plan of redemption. Thank you that you have done everything to make a way for us to spend eternity with you in that beautiful, awesome place called heaven. Now, right now, Father, I'm praying, leading any of those that are listening that that are wanting to respond to you in this prayer. Does everybody in the room say this? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I, thank I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died, he died for me, paid the price for all of my sins. He of and he rose again from the dead and, and lives A. Day. And, lived day. And, I and I receive him now as my Lord and my Savior. And Jesus, come into my life, come into my, life. Come, into my heart, come into my heart, and when I finish this life on earth, life on earth I'm home, with I'm home with you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus name. Amen. amen. Now, if any of you online said that prayer, we want to encourage you to find a local church where you can grow in the things of God. And tell somebody that you accepted Jesus today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Anybody looking forward to heaven? Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.